help me preach this tonight as little moving around as possible no distractions just help me tonight with this my lord i just thank you for your word i thank you for those that are watching online those that couldn't be here and those that are going to be watching the recording or listening to this through podcast or whatever lord i thank you for every one of us that are going to be participating in this being preached tonight and, and hearing this word i thank you even now for the holy spirit moving upon every one of us the spirit of truth, and the Holy Spirit, Jesus said about him, will lead us into all truth. And Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit moving upon us to help us be good soil of hearts and minds and lives and locked in and focused to give you our best ear, our full attention, our focus tonight. We're not going to be distracted by anything. Our minds will be able to understand things because the Holy Spirit helps us. Our eyes and ears can see and hear maybe what we couldn't before. And Lord, our hearts will be humble and receptive to the word. And I thank you, Lord, for the winds of your Holy Spirit just carrying this out among the nations. It'll get everywhere it's supposed to and accomplish what it's supposed to. Lord, we thank you for everything being accomplished, everything said tonight, and everything being accomplished in and through this sermon that you will to be done. We submit it unto you. We resist the devil. Anything that would try to hinder this from getting where it's supposed to go and accomplish what it's supposed to, we agree together. We take authority. We bind it now in the name of Jesus. You will back off in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you. For your angels just clearing away any hindrance and that everything is going to take place because the Bible says the word will not return void, but it will go forth and accomplish everything that God sends it forth to do. So we thank you for that tonight. And I thank you for everybody just getting focused in on what you're saying. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So I'm starting a little mini series about spiritual warfare tonight and probably preaching something that you're not going to hear probably too many other places, if anywhere else. Um, and so I'd appreciate everybody giving me your best ear tonight. So one of the things I wanted to say up front is that, if you can look this way, give me your focus, is that the enemy's been working now for a couple decades trying to change the landscape of Christianity. There was a time, and this is not long ago, when I was, uh, you know, a few decades ago when I was younger, even growing up in church, let me just say a few things up front going into this the reason why certain things are being able to kind of emerge and take ground spiritually that's from the enemy and be begin to make spiritual advances in our culture that maybe it never has before because america has been founded on judeo-christian principles and on the bible and and uh, all of that. So the reason why some of these things have been able to happen is because of much of the problem is the church. Now, I'm not saying this critically, but let me try to explain what I mean. Just a few decades ago, throughout all throughout this nation, but especially here in the Bible Belt, but it was all over, there were Pentecostal churches throughout this whole nation. And in these Pentecostal churches, they had powerful intercessors that would pray. And God called them to do so and put his hand on them. That There was a special grace. They would come up during the week. They would pray. They would come before church services, and you would hear them. If you went in the sanctuary, you'd hear them praying in tongues and, and just really being used of God to pray over the service. And the, you know God's house in many places was more of a house of prayer than it is today. And... 
preachers back then were, wouldn't shy away from things. They would get up and they would preach, but those intercessors' prayers, the church praying, them praying throughout the week, they would get up there and it wasn't about, hear me, I'm not being critical or anything, it wasn't about their skinny jeans and their hairdo. They got up there because they were preaching the word of the Lord under an anointing to accomplish what God sent them to do, to deliver a message. And let me tell you, when you hear from God and you get up there under the anointing and you're preaching the word like that, there's a spiritual authority. And the prayers of those churches had tremendous authority in the spirit realm. And I believe the combination of the things I'm talking about right now, the combination of those things throughout this nation caused spiritually that the authority the church was walking in was restraining these dark forces I'm going to be exposing tonight where they couldn't do everything they wanted to do. I know that behind the scenes, especially in certain places in our nation like California, and there'll be a few other places, you know, they could have some strongholds in those type of places. But they could not really do what they're doing today because they were restrained. Does that make sense? Then, a few decades ago, emerged this more seeker-sensitive type of idea. And what happened was people began to think, well, we need to just focus on what's, whatever they think in their mind is going to make a visitor be more comfortable. And it all became about man-pleasing, not God-pleasing. And what happened was the devil was in this, and the enemy began to, I use the word subvert because it was within the church world, people that were going kind of against the establishment, if you will, of the way things were, and they begin to come in and kind of subvert, and they begin to remove some things. And all of a sudden, those powerful intercessors that would pray all the time, they began to disappear out of the churches. All of a sudden, powerful altar calls after sermons that would convict people. How many are at least old enough to remember church where sermons would call people to repentance and people would come down and pray? Did you know that that's rare today? And I mean, there was a conviction on it and people would come down and get right with God. And, and there would be powerful times in the altar where people go through and pray with others. And I mean, it wasn't one of those little, let's join hands and pray your little needs and all that. I mean, but I'm saying that they would really pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. And people were being healed. People were being delivered from bondages in their life. They were being baptized in the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. And the gifts were in operation. I mean, I remember services where, where the Holy Spirit would move and you, you would hear a message in tongues and interpretation. And so the book of Acts Christianity was in operation. Let me tell you, because of that spiritual authority and power, even though those churches probably didn't realize how much so, but the fact that they were sprinkled throughout this whole nation, there was so much authority there, it restrained darkness. And now that these things are being removed, tongues are being removed, the gifts in operation, powerful altar ministry, calling people to repentance, all of that, what, what has happened is, is that the church has become lukewarm and powerless and it doesn't have the authority that it used to have. And so these dark forces are able to start emerging. As how many knows, I think everybody that's hearing me preach tonight has an, everybody out through the internet has enough spiritual sense to know that what I'm talking about is spiritual warfare. 
and it's a spiritual problem. The, the educational system is not going to be able to defeat this. The politicians and, and governors and all that, they may restrain some things, but they are not going to be able to defeat this because it's a spiritual battle. Does this make sense? And so it's got to be fought with spiritual weapons. That's why Paul said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not worldly like guns and knives. But he said the weapons of our warfare are spiritual and it's to the pulling down of these strongholds. So we have to rise up in our authority. And if the collective body, and this is why I'm praying, and, and I, I've been calling River of Life to, as a collective body, to, to prayer and fasting, where nobody's having to do too much, but, but just about everybody has one day of the week that they'll fast from morning to evening. We're all in agreement, but I'm going to tell you, I'm asking the Lord, Isaiah 58, to restore the ancient ruins. I want to see the Lord bring back those intercessors again. I want to see God's house become a house of prayer again. It's, it's everything else, but Jesus said my house would be called a house of prayer. How is it that the Lord can say something like that, and yet 99% of his house won't pray? You understand what I'm saying? They'll do anything else but that. It just seems like that has been a problem for so long. But the Lord wants our house to, his house to become a house of prayer again. And in that, there is an authority to restrain darkness. So, the ancient ruins, to see the gifts restored back, to see Book of Acts Christianity, to see once again those powerful altar calls, like we saw like at Brownsville. And people, I mean, they'd run down to the altar and get saved. And, and just, it was a different time. And Satan has come in and he's trying to steal so much. But we have a mandate. And here's what I want to preach on tonight is the mandate of the church. God has called us to be salt and light, which I'll get to. But here's something else that I want to read. Ephesians 5, 6. So I'm talking about the rise of Satanism in America and the occult and witchcraft in general. Did you know that on the 700 Club they were reporting this in the news and that secular surveys and studies have shown that in America right now, that Christianity has been on a decline. And they said this, this, this kind of shocked me. They said, what is the fastest growing religion in America? What would you think it would be? Islam? No. They said the fastest growing religion in America, and this was from secular studies. It was, it was a news report they said is witchcraft so christianity's been on the decline and witchcraft has become the fastest growing religion in america so with that said you know and we got to preach the whole counsel of god but how many churches will be getting up sometime in 2023 and preaching a sermon like this all right so our mandate ephesians 5 6 See that no one deceives you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. If you, for you once were in darkness, but now you are the light of the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. What it's saying here is that if, as Christians, how many knows that we can't continue to live in sin? If we're truly the Lord's, then people are going to see that we are radically different. 
in our lives. People should never question if you're really a Christian or not. You should be radically different. Verse 10, as you try to learn what is pleasing to the Lord, it's our job to study the word and get in a good church that will preach the truth which means that sometimes you're going to feel uncomfortable. If you're in a church where you never feel uncomfortable and, and you know that there's things in your life that aren't right, but you're never, you're never going to be made to feel uncomfortable about those things, you are in a wrong church. Go find some church that's going to tell you the truth. Verse 11, do not participate in the useless deeds of darkness, but instead expose them. Everybody say expose them. So not that anybody would, but nobody better be trying to send me some email complaining because I'm preaching on this because the Bible says, instead expose them. I have a mandate from the Holy Bible to expose darkness. It's my job. It is my job description. All right, so verse 12, for it is disgraceful to even speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Let me tell you, the type of ritualistic things that are done, which I'm not going to get into, but those that serve the devil, clandestine, the cover of night, secret locations, things they're doing, let me assure you that this scripture is true. It is disgraceful to even speak of the things which are done by them in secret. It is horrible. But all things become visible when they're exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason, it says, awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead. Christ will shine on you. And you know what awake speaks of in the Bible? To pray. In the Bible, sleeping is indicative of those that are not praying. But whenever it says, awake, awake, it's calling people to prayer. So it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. Christ will shine on you. Arising from the dead is also speaks of revival. So then be careful how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of your time. Because the days are evil. So as we go through this tonight, I want you to understand that God has called us to expose the darkness. And begin to deal with some things that need to be dealt with, okay? And unfortunately, I don't think enough of this will be preached throughout the land, but my heart is, is that people get a burden about these type of things and begin to commit it to prayer. And so I'm going to show you before this is over how we can begin to pray effectively about these things. Because the main way we're going to defeat this darkness, I believe, is through prayer. All right, so Revelation 13, 3 the rise of Satanism and witchcraft and all that, it is not going away. This is something that is going to continue to increase in the world. But if God's people will pray and be what we need to be, it can be restrained. Revelation 13 verse 3, <clears throat> it says, I saw one of those heads as if it had been fatally wounded. So in this scripture here it's talking about the false prophet and the antichrist but it says i saw one of the heads as if it had been fatally wounded so many scholars believe the antichrist will have some type of a wound that should have killed him and it, it's like a mock or a fake death barrel and resurrection of sorts of the antichrist and it says that his fatal wound was healed so it was a fatal wound it was something that should have killed him but it didn't 
and the whole world was amazed and followed after him. So that's what a lot of scholars believe. But I want you to see something in verse 4. It says they worshipped the dragon. So let's go back here for a minute because I want you to see something that people read over and they don't pay attention to. The closer we get to the second coming of Christ and the finishing of all things, okay? It says the whole earth. Everybody say the whole earth. That involves everybody, doesn't it? The whole world. It says they were amazed and they followed after the beast. That's the Antichrist. And look at this. And they worshiped the dragon. Did you know that the Bible says before the second coming of Christ, I'm talking about his feet touching the earth in Israel, before the fullness of all of that, did you know it will get so dark that the entire world is going to follow after and worship the Antichrist and they're going to worship the dragon? Who's the dragon? The devil. So the Antichrist is Satan himself. So the whole world is going to worship Satan because Satan gave his authority to the beast, which is the Antichrist, and they worship the, the beast. And they would say, who is like the beast? This is the Antichrist, so I'm just going to use the word Antichrist. Who is like the Antichrist? Who, who is able to wage war with him? And it says, a mouth was given to him, speaking arrogant words and blasphemies, and authority to act for 42 months was given to him. That's the last half of the tribulation. And he opened his mouth in blasphemies against God. That's when he sets himself up in the temple. Remember that? And to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, that is those who dwell in heaven. So I'm not going to get into a bunch of end time prophecy. It's not what tonight's about. But suffice to say, I'm trying to show you that before Jesus Christ physically comes to the earth to reign for a thousand years, the world will have become so wicked that the entire world is going to be worshiping the dragon. So here's how that's going to play out. Eventually, there's going to be a catching away of the remnant bride. I mean, there's going to be these Matthew 25, wise virgins with extra oil, a bride without spot or blemish, those that were really radically sold out, sincere in their faith. They lived the life. They were what Christ was looking for. And, and when it's the fullness of time, there's going to be a snatching away of a remnant bride that's going to meet him in the air. And so basically, all of the really powerful Christians that are prayer warriors and those that are being used to help restrain darkness are going to be removed. When that happens, darkness is going to be able to increase very quickly after that. And then there's going to come a time eventually where the false prophet is going to be used to instate, uh, institute rather the mark of the beast, which is just simply an economic mark. So right now, how are things going? All of us have a debit card. If you notice that it went from cash, it went to more of a cashless society with a card. And have you noticed now that they have a chip on the card? That you just simply just read it. You don't even have to carry cash anymore. It's even moving from a card to um, it being on the app on your phone. You can just take your phone now. You don't even need a card anymore. And you can Apple Pay or whatever with this. But did you know before Jesus Christ physically comes to the earth, eventually the Bible says that it's going to move from anything 
like this, it's going to move to either your right hand or your forehead. There's going to be some type of a mark that's either going to be on the skin or like an implant under it. Nobody knows for sure yet, but it's going to be something to where that's all you're going to need. You can scan it when you go to Walmart and buy your groceries. But eventually, it says that you won't be able to buy or sell without that mark. So what that means is, is that there's going to be a great persecution against true Christians because true Christians are going to see that, that are left behind. How many knows I don't want to be left behind? When the Lord comes to catch away this remnant bride, I want to be on the first train out and not have to be here for all of this. But right now, I'm called to be here in the last days and occupy till he comes and see a great harvest of souls, great revival, and everything that I can do. But whenever it comes time for that shofar to blast and to go, I'm ready to go. But see, there's still going to be a lot of people left on the earth that are playing games. They call themselves Christians, but they're not living a Christian life. The Lord is not fooled by that. Okay, they can go to church, they can call themselves a Christian, they can quote scripture, but if they're not living the life, the Lord knows who are truly his and those who are not. He knows which ones are the tares and which ones are the wheat. And he's going to catch away the sincere people, those that are not really right, that are playing games, they're going to be left behind. Now, here's what's going to happen. There's going to be a forcing of people to take a mark. And eventually, the first half of that tribulation time, the Christians are going to have to go into hiding, and there's going to be a lot of martyrdom during that time. So a lot of Christians will lose their lives, but they'll sincerely get saved and repent and do right, and they're called tribulation saints. So the first wave is the rapture. The second wave are all the Christians that are going to be killed for their faith. Then the Antichrist is going to set himself up in Jerusalem in that temple He's going to declare himself to be God. That's what it's talking about here. Arrogant words, blasphemies. He's going to declare himself to be God. He's going to have his little idol over here. And he's going to demand Israel and the Jewish people worship him as God and worship his idol. How many knows that a lot of Israel is going to have a problem with that? Maybe not all of them, but a lot of them will. And so when Israel says, we're not going to worship you as God and we're not going to worship your idol. I mean, any, anybody that has any biblical knowledge knows what's the Ten Commandments. The first one is to not worship other gods. What's number two? Don't bow down and worship an idol. And so right there, the Antichrist is going to be demanding Israel to break the first two of the Ten Commandments. And they're not gonna, most of them are not going to do it. So he's going to unleash his military after the Jews, and it's going to kill two-thirds of the Jews. Hitler only killed one-third. But God's going to supernaturally protect the third of them in hiding. But think about what I'm saying. All, all of this exiting and the tribulation saints and all the people that know anything about some type of Judeo-Christian heritage and they know enough of the Bible to... But anyway, it's going to be like this mass killing of all those type of people to where the last part of the tribulation before Jesus comes that last 42 months the people that are left on the world all of them hear what I'm saying are going to worship the antichrist they're going to worship his idol and they're going to worship Lucifer the dragon so this when it talks about um, Satanism and witchcraft that we're talking about tonight 
this isn't going away. But while we're here, we can restrain this. But you're not really going to be able to fully restrain it by trying to do it through legislation. You can vote in good politicians. We have a wonderful governor here in Texas. I like Greg Abbott, and I appreciate him very much. But this is bigger than Greg Abbott. He can pass laws that are against these sort of things, but these people, I'm about to get into this, they're just going to try to manipulate the laws in their favor anyway. The only thing that's really going to restrain spiritual darkness is spiritual authority over that darkness. And we have that in Christ, but we have to use it. And so this is a time is interesting because my wife came to me and she does a ladies Bible study and she just simply said, you know, is it okay that we do this, uh, this book, Prepare for War? And she said, I feel there's a war coming and we need to be ready. We're in it, and I, and I agree with her, but that's where we're at. We need to prepare for war. But war is spiritual, and it's using spiritual weapons. You're not, I'm telling you, I'm trying to get this point across here. You're not going to win this war by going out protesting with your little picket sign and you're ticked off and you got all other people out there. We don't want these people here and all this. I mean, that may have its place at times, but you're not going to win this war with a picket sign. You're not going to win this war by passing laws. This is a spiritual war. And those things can help. And it, we, we do need some of that, but it's not going to defeat darkness. So Luke 19, 13, Jesus said he called his 10 servants and delivered unto them 10 pounds. And he said to them, occupy till I come. We're called to occupy till the Lord comes. God has entrusted us. He's entrusted us with spiritual authority. He's entrusted us with spiritual weapons. He's entrusted us with a mandate to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And it's God's will in these last days. What does the Bible say to pour out his spirit on all flesh? It says the end of the age is the harvest. And it's his will to come back for a bride without spot or blemish. So we know the word. We know the will of God. And so we need to be busy doing what he's called us to do. We're to occupy till he comes. But here's how Satan's going to attack. Now I'm going to give you a couple things before I close tonight. Number one, there's going to be in the days to come a heightened level of spiritual warfare. Number one, this is going to be one of the key ways that Satan's going to attack. And I hope that any Christian leaders really, that are listening to this by chance to really take this seriously. The main, one of the main ways that these people are going to attack is through infiltration. You remember Galatians says they, come, they creep in among us to spy out our freedom. Remember that? Infiltrators. Satan knows that a kingdom divided cannot stand. Satan knows that as long as God's people are unified, there's an anointing, and they're really in worship and prayer, and they're unified, that he knows that he is in big trouble because their prayers, whatever they're praying about is going to happen, and he's not going to be able to stop it. He knows that. So what does he do? He sends in somebody into their midst that he can use to begin to get them fighting with one another and divide them so that basically that powerful group of people that was used mightily of God, all of a sudden now half of them hates the other half. They're divided. 
they part ways and the power and the authority that they had is neutralized and they're no longer effective for the kingdom they're no longer a threat to the devil that is one of the greatest attacks of the enemy is to divide and conquer again Jesus said a kingdom divided cannot stand Satan's greatest goal is to keep sowing division among God's people and to keep God's people like at a lukewarm ineffective state where they don't really have authority and one of the things today that concerns me is that this would have never happened decades ago but there's a, such a focus on the wrong things in the church world and I'm not saying this critically but I believe it to be true and I think that's what one of the messages from this revival that happened at Asbury University is that you're not seeing a lot of these type of things but where there used to be powerful worship and, and tears I mean really entering in and extended worship and powerful worship it's like the enemies come in and kind of replace that with something that's more entertainment based and where there used to be powerful preaching I mean you could feel it and, and it moved people and people repented and got right and, and it, it kind of cut through the darkness and it was a there was an authority all of a sudden that's that's kind of been pulled out and it's been replaced in a lot of places with just like motivational speeches and feel-good messages that tickle the ears and and where there used to be powerful altar calls and people come down and they would tear in the altars for long periods of time and and pray and and people were baptized in the holy ghost and they and they also um were used mightily to bring healing and deliverance and all those powerful things that were going on in the altars that's been pulled out now and it's replaced with programs so it's a social club and so satan has been trying his best to bring it in because of what i'm trying to talk about tonight um being this focus on the wrong things what's happened is is that among god's people here not in river of life but among god's people in the churches a lot of times there'll be a lot of people that come and they sit in the church pews week in and week out and they're if they were to die they're not even saved but yet they feel comfortable there because there's nothing to challenge that. There's no, there's no message that's going to convict them. There's nothing that's going to challenge that in any way, make them feel uncomfortable in their sin. And so they come into a social club. Let me, t let me ask you a question. How effective is a, a group of people when half of them are not even born-again Christians? How effective are they going to really actually be for the kingdom of God? Think about what I'm saying. And Steve Hill warned me about this when we met together, and I believe he would want me to say this, and I believe he'd want me to say it right now in this sermon. When him and I spent some time together, and I was able to ask him questions and him pray with me, and it was a really powerful time. It was in 2003, if I remember right, the fall, 2003. And one of the things he told me is just him and I in the office, and he's sitting there, and he looks up at me and says, Scott, he said, listen, he said, this new seeker-sensitive type movement that's emerging, he said, listen, it's, it's a joke. And he said, let me tell you what I'm talking about. He said, I have a friend, and he's, he's got this huge church. And he said, it's running thousands and thousands of people. And by all accounts, it looks real successful. And he said, I was talking to him on the phone, and I asked him, I said, so 
if there was somebody to come into your church this next Sunday or Saturday or whatever, and they had like one of those, uh, those vests that was a bomb, and it blew up and it said it killed everybody in the church. He said, how many of your people will go to heaven? That would be a Steve Hill question. And the guy thought about it for a few seconds and said, I would say probably half of them. And Steve said, brother, you better tell them. Think about what I'm saying. Let's just stop there just for a moment. If you're pastoring a group of people week in and week out for months and months and years and years, and they can sit, that's why some people don't come around very much. You know, they come in and out, you know. If they can come and they can sit there and they're lost and, and they're not right with God and they're not going to repent and they're never going to be challenged. Nothing's ever really going to convict them. And they can come in in that lost condition and remain. Something is seriously, fundamentally wrong in that church that they can keep coming week in and week out and live in sin and never know the Lord, never get saved, and end up going to hell when they die, and there's nothing there to challenge that. That's not a church. That's a social club. So number one, Satan's goal is to divide and conquer. And what the enemy wants to do for anybody that's in any type of leadership role that's going to hear this, these type of people that Satan sends in to infiltrate, they want to get kind of cozy with leadership there and be in their ear and dictate the course of things. Let me tell you what eventually what they want to do. They want to worm their way into teaching because then they can be used of the devil to teach wrong doctrines. Did everybody catch that? Let me say that again. They want to cozy up to leadership so they can dictate the course of the church but they want to worm their way into teaching positions so that they can teach things that are off. They covet teaching. That's why in Revelation 2.20, 2, it says that the Lord had a problem with that church in Thyatira because they allowed this Jezebel spirit in. And what did he say? She calls herself a prophetess, but then he says, she teaches and leads my servants astray. She teaches. So you're sitting there thinking to yourself in the church in Thyatira, how in the world did the leadership of the church let Jezebel teach in the church? And then not only that, they should know that whenever she's teaching and it's leading people astray, they should have removed her. And also it seeks an evil impartation, meaning that they want to pray for people. These people want to worm their way in to be on the altar ministry or whatever so they can lay hands and pray over people because something that's not of God will begin to be imparted to people. So divide and conquer and Satan will send in infiltrators. So not everybody that comes through a church door is truly needs to keep coming back. Amen? And there's some people that are not sent by God. They're sent by the devil whether they know it or not. But they're brought in to divide teach strange doctrines, release an evil impartation, or just stir up problems. How many knows that, that that's the devil's goal, right, is to divide? Okay, the second thing will be direct attacks through witchcraft. And these are people just like Christians will pray for people. 
these people will operate in witchcraft to try to um, speak against and pray against and come against God's people and it's a dark satanic force it's direct attacks through witchcraft that brings confusion it brings a difficulty praying it can cause illnesses health problems it can cause strife in families etc and it will amplify temptations so let me say that again when Satan's servants are targeting Christians and praying against them it can release a spiritual force against them and that spiritual force will try to cause confusion it will try to cause a difficulty praying it can cause illnesses it can cause strife it can cause amplified temptations it's an attack from witchcraft so I just want to give a few more things before I close but the groups that are active today there's different groups and I'm dealing just with Satanism tonight and there's a bunch of different groups out there but I'm just going to talk about five the Church of Satan was founded in 1966 by Anton LaVey and it's basically window dressing it's Satanism that was created for the purpose of trying to desensitize the average people to devil worship so this guy he's lying of course but he says well we don't even believe in a literal Satan um, it's all about you're just your own God and that was his idea he got that from Aleister Crowley to do do whatever you want to do is the whole of the law but Anton LaVey that's what he said but when he was confronted by other groups that were criticizing him about his watered-down stance he would say I have to say that for the public for public relations but he didn't believe it himself so the Church of Satan was created for the purpose of trying to desensitize America to devil worship where it used to be shocking and people would be appalled at it now they don't take it seriously so unfortunately I think that he accomplished some of that that goal that was his then split off from him was one of his uh, one of those that served with him in the Church of Satan he left his name was Michael Aquino and he started the Temple of Set which is much more serious about their Satanism but the Temple of Set here's the thing that's concerning Michael Aquino you can look this up he's actually very high up in our military so did you know that there's a strong satanic presence in our military then you have groups that are underground Satanism these these are especially Church of Satan was supposed to be public it was public relations it was go on the talk shows you remember how many are old enough to remember like Geraldo or some of these old talk shows remember that and they would go on those type of shows and their goal was to desensitize America right to Satanists but there are underground groups the underground groups were like the Brotherhood and these groups are not just in America but they're all over um, there was a precious lady uh, wrote Dor Doreen Irvine wrote a book called freed from witchcraft powerful book if you can find it and she gives her testimony but the group she was involved in was the in England and it was the brotherhood there but of course here you have people like Rebecca Brown and others that wrote about these type of groups here but this is underground Satanism it's very real and it's actually quite dangerous 
these people are very serious about what they do and they regularly will perform everything that you can imagine in the way of, of killing people it's sacrificial all the things that you've heard about you know killing animals and and their evil things that they do in secret it is true and they do do these things but they also know how to cover it up and there was even a, a precious lady that got saved because of my wife's testimony in east texas and this was a small town so it was kind of somewhat shocking but she was a hardcore satanist and she her whole family was and she got saved because of my wife's testimony and my wife knew that she needed deliverance from demons so takes her to church and and uh, my family was there and saw it and she had like i don't know more than a dozen demons cast out of her but she had supernatural strength i mean there was grown men kind of holding her down and and she would lift up a grown man like this and her arms slam back down she's supernatural strength but anyway she was delivered from these demons and she was talking to me about uh the group that she worshiped with and of course they were all mad at my wife because this lady got saved you know and uh but here's here's the thing she said and this is common throughout america she said that they had different people in their coven one of them was a police officer there another one was a woman doctor who would was very instrumental because here's how they would do some of the human sacrifice they would have a woman in the group that would get pregnant and it would be off the books the baby would be delivered by this woman doctor and then it could be sacrificed and nobody would ever know about it and she told me this and so there was also she herself was involved in uh, cps she worked there and she believed that the devil had put her there to determine where people would go and she attended a local church there every sunday i mean this lady was intelligent and dressed you know like a businesswoman you see a lot of you think of when you say satanist you're thinking of some weird gothic weirdo this lady those are the the ones that are playing around with stuff that aren't anything to but these type of people are very deliberate and they're dangerous and you would never think that they were involved they live a double life she would go to church and she would work a government job and if you met her you would think she was very intelligent a very normal lady yet she was deeply involved in satanism and so this is an underground thing and it's throughout america now there's another group and I'm gonna call these Luciferians and I'm gonna just be kind of smart about what I say and don't say on the internet but I know a guy that I talked to on the phone extensively and he had gotten saved out of this because his family was one of those families that people associate with the name like Illuminati and those type of um, if I said his last name you'd go oh yeah uh, he was one of them and he was uh, a direct descendant and he was going to definitely be very involved in what they were doing but the Lord had other plans and saved him and so he became a Christian he had to go into hiding and change his name because they tried to kill him but these are people that have great wealth and their families he told me that there's certain families that they're so extremely wealthy i'm talking billions and billions of dollars that they 
they intermarry within those families because to keep the wealth within their families. So it's actually they cannot marry outside of those certain groups of people. And he said that one of the ways you can tell their activity is because sometimes you'll see people that are used of the devil. They kind of have a dark agenda and they emerge into politics or they emerge into maybe the music industry or something like that. And they seem to go from absolutely nothing. And all of a sudden overnight, they're, great, they're extremely wealthy, but they, they have a very dark agenda. He said, these, these people I'm talking about are funding them. How many knows that it's difficult outside of the grace of God it's difficult in the current system to be able to get into something like politics or whatever without people funding you and then because they fund you, they feel like they own you. Hello? Yeah. These people, Luciferians, it's got strong Freemasonic ties but it's, it's mossy money families, it's great wealth, and it's people that are used of the enemy. And listen, these people worship Satan directly, but they'll call him by a different name. They're Luciferians. And these are those that, that are like the, all the Freemasonic orders that are above all of that. Um, but anyway, so the one I wanted to get to tonight, so you have the Church of Satan, you have the Temple of Set, you've got the Brotherhood, the Underground stuff, the Luciferians are those that have a hand in politics. They have a hand in... How many knows that there's some wonderful politicians in America that are Christian, and I value them. There's others that are just secular, but there's some that there is a strong darkness about them. You understand? And the same thing with the music industry. There's some people in the music and entertainment industry that are just talented. They're secular, but, but there's others that there is a strong darkness about them. You know what I'm talking about. All right. And then finally, the last one is the Satanic Temple. And this is the one I really want to talk about. This is a really nasty group. And <clears throat> they're involved in a lot of dark activity in our nation. So if you're going to look this up, you can look, at, look it up not on the podcast, but look up this sermon on sermon.net. Look us up. Find this sermon. I'm going to put the notes. But in the notes, it will have links to these things I'm going to talk about. Now, you can also just Google it yourself if you want to. But the Satanic Temple is a group of Satanists that are very active. Okay, they're very active. They're politically active. They're active not only in politics, but they're active like in the LGBT. They're active in trying to get, I'm going to show you. Number one, there's, uh, there's something they've got coming up they call uh, SatanCon 2023. And SatanCon is going to be supposedly the largest satanic gathering in history. And it's going to take place in Massachusetts. And so the reason why they're doing that is because they're angry at the lady that was, I believe, the governor, if I remember correctly, that she would not allow them to come in and just do whatever they want to do. And so they're angry with her, so they're going to make sure and have their convention there in her city, um, you know, to go against her. So SatanCon 2023, 
Also, this same group has gotten very involved with abortion rights because they understand that abortion is very much a human sacrifice and they view it as such. And so they have created in their group, and you can look this up because some people won't believe it, just go to their website. They, they have created a satanic ritual that goes along with abortion. So somebody will stand like in front of a mirror and say certain things, and then they'll take the pill or whatever that kills their baby, or maybe there'll be somebody there that's involved as a doctor to medically induce the abortion, but they consider it a ritual unto Satan. So they've ritualized abortion. And they're trying to help people get abortions, especially now that Roe v. Wade has been overturned. Now they want to get politically active and do everything they can to promote abortion. Let me ask you something. If abortion was so innocent, why are the devil worshipers so bent on making sure that it's a part of their religious rituals? This is the same group that brought that big goat, that goat statue called Baphomet, brought it to the Arkansas Capitol. How many remember that? It made the news. They brought it there. They were protesting the Ten Commandments being on the wall there. Because I guess they're scared of that. Great fearless ones. <clears throat> so they brought their little Baphomet statue. And they were going to protest it. Well, if they can have the Ten Commandments, then we can have our go to Mendy's and we can all bow and worship it. So they're very active, not only in abortion, but they're very active in trying to use our laws against us. Because we have laws in America that protect the freedom of assembly, the freedom of religion, the freedom of speech. And so they're trying to, excuse me, they're trying to use our laws <clears throat> to say that they also have the freedom to do these things. That's why I'm saying that passing laws is not going to defeat them because they're going to know how to manipulate the laws. And then also, not only are they active politically, and they're very active in the LGBT movement, transgender, very active there, and not only are they very active in abortion, but now they want to target children. And they have on their website an entire page devoted to this the after-school Satan Club, where they're trying to infiltrate elementary schools and they have a curriculum, if their parents go along with it, where they can go in and learn about Satan being a good guy. But it's kind of a two-edged sword because one is if they're able to get that in there and teach children to worship the devil, that's bad enough. But not only that, here's actually what's happening is that whenever they've tried to do it in certain schools, all the parents get mad and they go to the school, rightfully so, and I applaud the parents that do that. They all go there and say, we're not going to have this after-school Satan club in our school. Well, then here's what has happened, that all the Bible clubs that they have in the school already, then the leadership of the school says, then, well, we, we just can't have any clubs. And so they get rid of the Bible. So see, that's what the, these, they're trying to do. They're either trying to get their little club in there to destroy the lives of children, or they're trying to just do away with the Bible clubs. And of course, they're trying to fly their satanic flag of devil worship in different locations. So these are the ones 
that are trying to form these different marches and protests and all these different things that you're hearing about. Even here in Terrell, there was, a, I don't remember what it was now, but there was some kind of a group that was there protesting or whatever. So even here in Texas, there's these groups. All of them seem to go back to this uh, satanic temple. So if you're not familiar with this group, those that are listening to this, you need to be aware of them because they're trying to push everything that Christians are against. They're trying to go, listen to what I'm saying. They're trying to go statewide and push legislation to cause abortion to flourish. They're actively involved in trying to push the homosexual agenda and target children, etc. You guys noticed how much TV shows and movies and video games are trying to introduce children to Satanism and witchcraft? It's not an accident. And those that are really God's people, they know, in their spirit they know this is serious and to pray about it. Those that are not really the Lord's that are just, they're, they're, they're not going to take this serious. That, you know, whatever, you know. But those that are really the Lord's, they know what's really going on. And so I'm going to ask that God's people hear me tonight. Our greatest weapon here is prayer. So the Lord has called us to be salt and light. All right, light is where we're going out witnessing. It's like you guys are going to be doing and we've been doing forever. As we go out and tell people about Jesus, we're being light in darkness. So what is salt? I believe salt has to do with prayer. Because if you were to take a, a steak and you were to put a whole bunch of salt that you normally would sprinkle over the whole steak and you just put it in one spot and it was just going to get one bite how many knows that that bite's going to be disgusting? But yet, nothing else will, be, uh, will have any flavor to it. So here's what God does. He sprinkles the salt throughout the entire United States of America instead of consolidating all of us in one location. Salt in ancient times was extremely valuable because, I mean... Right now, we have modern refrigeration, but before there were refrigerators... The way people preserved everything is with salt. How many have ever had some salt like beef jerky or something that was preserved through salt? And that, and that was how um, they preserved it. So salt has like a purification and a preservation type. So basically, if I could say it this way, whenever we're being salt in our region, we're being prayer warriors that is preserving that region and that is helping to purify that region and protect it. So here's what we need to do. I'm going to give you some prayers. I would say that individual Christians, since we're living in the times we're living, if you're sincere and focused about your faith, you need to develop a prayer life yourself. Okay? A relationship with God is not going to church. It's important to go to church. A relationship with God is not just reading his wonderful book that he's given us, even though we do need to study the Bible. A relationship with God is, in fact, a relationship. As you spend time with him and talk to him and he talks to you, if you're really his, you know him. You need a personal prayer life. And I would say also churches need to get serious about prayer again. We need to have prayer meetings. Here in River of Life, something I felt led to do would be 
We have a watchman program where people, you know, one day a week pray and fast and they have a sheet that they pray over. But every day of the week's covered by somebody. So we have people every day of the week praying and fasting a little bit. It's not hard because you're just skipping a little bit of food throughout one day of the week. But when all of us are doing this together and we're all praying the same thing, how many knows it's powerful? Secondly, corporate prayer meetings where we come together and we worship and we pray, we take communion, extremely powerful. So how do you pray? Number one, our first goal to pray about is the salvation of Satan's servants. Amen? And so begin to earnestly pray for their salvation from the top to the bottom that God bring them out and save them. But number two, there have been credible testimonies of people that used to be in Satanism that got saved. And they said when the Christians began to pray, they were telling these testimonies. They said there were stories where they gathered around an altar and they were going to kill somebody. It was a horrible thing. It was like a ritualistic thing. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this shaft of light came down and nothing happened. I mean, people were struck with terror. They fled from the place. Everything that they planned on doing didn't happen. It was the prayers of God's people that caused God to invade. So pray that God will begin to invade these dark meeting places with his terror and that God will come into these places with his terror and that these people will either fall on their face and repent and accept Jesus as their savior right then and there or they're going to flee in abstract terror to never want to return to that place again. And let me tell you, when those type of things happen, even if they don't get saved then and they flee, do you know as well as I do, they're going to be thinking to themselves, what was that light? What was that what power came in there that scattered all of us? And they're going to be thinking to themselves, the devil isn't as powerful as what he says he is. There's a greater power that just scattered our group, you see. So I'm telling you, they need power encounters here. Another thing to pray is Psalm 55 verse 9, confuse the wicked and divide their tongues. Confusion and division break out in Satan's camp. Number four Psalm 35, 6, their way become dark and slippery and the angel Lord sent to persecute and block them. That God would make their way dark and slippery and that the angels would block what they're trying to do. How many remembers the angel of the Lord blocking Balaam? Remember that? Where his donkey even spoke? So God, these are all biblical prayers and also Psalm 129, verse 6. Like the grass upon the housetops withering before taking, you know, taking root. In other words... They try to come into a region and they want to get their roots down and they want to bear, start bearing evil fruit. They're not able to. They're not able to get roots and they're not able to bear fruit. Like the, the grass upon the housetops, they wither. These are powerful prayers. How many knows when all of us begin to really focus our prayers like this scripturally, we're praying for their salvation, but we're also praying that God would bring confusion in their camp. How many remember reading in the scripture over and over where armies would come against Israel to be confused and turn on one another? 
that their way become dark and slippery. All of a sudden, they're trying to serve the enemy and they're trying to be intelligent, but it's like God turned the light out. All of a sudden, everything they do is confused. It's like they're in a dark, slippery place and the angels of God are sent and are standing in their way where they can't do what they want to do. They want to bring that garbage into, into schools and, and pervert children. And all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord gets in between them and what they're trying to do. And everything they try to do, they can't do it. Why can't I get this through to this school? Because there's an angel in between you and what you're trying to do. The angel's there because God's people prayed. And of course, I would say, drop their finances and confuse their counsel. These are powerful prayers, but God's people better rise up and begin to pray because it's going to be a spiritual battle that can only be won spiritually. I thank God for good leadership here in Texas and America. We do have Christian leadership that love God and are God-fearing. But I'm just telling you that they're not going to be able to restrain this darkness. It's the job of the church to do it. And specifically, it's the job of a powerful church that prays. And so I want to, I want to close this out tonight and pray. And before we exit out of this, I just want us to agree together for a moment. So just for a moment, just lock in with me. Let's get focused Father, we thank you. We know that there are many that are deceived that have gotten caught up in Satan worship and the occult and witchcraft and they gather. And there's different times, like uh, there's a really high gathering around Halloween and they have different satanic holidays throughout the year. And every full moon they gather and we, we're aware of these things. But Lord, we're asking you from the top to the bottom, Lord, that you would lay your sickle and bring in a harvest of souls because we love them. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood here. We know that our battle is spiritual and we want every one of them to be saved. But nonetheless, as they gather in these dark places, Lord, we're asking you that you would bring the terror of the Almighty into those places. Lord, let them literally shake with your power. A shaft of light. I mean, altars there would just split paraphernalia would shatter i mean those people would have a direct confrontation with the almighty and lord either they're going to fall on their face and say jesus is who he says he is and they're going to get saved or they're going to flee from that place and tear it and never return but even where they go lord let them be thinking about that satan is a liar and that there's a greater power there's a greater one there's a creator there's somebody out there that, that has a much greater power than Satan, and they're going to begin to pursue him. And Lord, that all of a sudden, that you would confuse the wicked and, and divide their tongues. Lord, that just like in the days of Israel fighting armies, Lord, let them all of a sudden be confused and in division. And also, Lord, I thank you not only for confusion, but I also thank you, Lord, for um, that their ways become dark and slippery, and the angel will pursue and persecute and block them. Just like Balaam, the angels of God are going to get in between them and everything that they're wanting to do in their service to Satan. They won't be able to do it. And finally, Lord, we ask you to dry up their finances and confuse their counsel. But Lord, ultimately, we're praying for them to be restrained, that they're trying to push an agenda. But Lord, everything they're trying to do to push abortion and, and sexual perversions and the perverting of children Lord, we're asking you everything that they're trying to do. Lord, let them be restrained and that they would not be able to take any more ground. But Lord, that they would spiritually find themselves bound up and restrained. And Lord, let there be a mighty revival, the likes of what America has never seen, that restores these ancient ruins back to the church. 
where we once again arise with that power and authority that we used to have decades ago with God, the type of authority that restrains darkness and breaks the power of the enemy. Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.